Um, before we get into it, I just want to take an opportunity to pray um, and just ask the Spirit to be with us today. So if we can, let us pray for just a moment. Father, we come before your throne of grace this morning, Father, to simply lay ourselves down, to lay down our worries, our stresses, our anxieties, to lay down our plans and activities for this afternoon, that for the next 30, 45 minutes, whatever it's going to be with you, that we focus only on you, that we not be troubled in our hearts, that we not be preoccupied with what's coming, but we enjoy the presence of your glory and the fellowship with you, with your spirit and with the saints. So we thank you for that today, Father. We bless you. We honor you this day. We ask that you bless the coming forth of your word. Let it go out, Lord, and not return void. We bless you and the people of God say, amen. So um, as many, as you, many of you know, uh, we, we've had the blessed opportunity to welcome a new family member into our household. Uh, Jesse delivered the baby about a week and a half ago. Um, and man, she was big. And <laughs> man, this was a really big baby. <laughs> she, she had an eight pounder. It's like a little bowling ball she had. Um, but, but Benny, Mr. Benito Vidal, call him Benny. Benny's great and he's growing and he's um, stealing a lot of sleep from mom and dad. And he's doing well. And, uh, you know, we're, we're excited to have that and our family's growing. And this is our, our third grandchild. And those of you who know the joy of grandchildren, and um, I thought being a dad was the best job I ever had, but being a grandfather, or as, as Eden, my, my oldest grandson, calls me my, his poopa, as, uh, as, as poopa, uh, being a poopa is the best job ever. And um, I just find so much joy in it. You know, guys, honestly, as I, as I take time to think about my grandchildren and our growing family and you know, I've done a lot of reflecting over the last um, couple of years since becoming a grandfather, and now with the addition, just thinking about life. Thinking about where I've been, the journey that the Lord has taken me on, and even in my earlier years of life, just thinking about all of that, thinking about what will life be like for my children, and what will I leave, what legacy will I leave for my grandchildren? You know, and it all boils down to this idea that I've been wrestling with, and maybe some of you wrestle with this idea too, and it's this concept, this idea, this one idea that I think is what everyone, regardless of your background, your nationality, where you come from, in the world, we all wrestle with this question, what is the meaning of life? Why do we get up in the morning every day to do what we do? Why do we engage in this rat race that they call the world? Why? What's the point? And sometimes it does seem meaningless. There's actually an entire philosophy built on the meaninglessness of life. And today, I seek to answer that question with you. I seek to wrestle with the text to help us find the meaning of life. Now, this is an isolated sermon. Pastor Daniel has done a great job with the sermon series, but I, he blessed me with the opportunity to just preach on what's on my heart. And I think this topic today, I hope, will bless you. And we're going to examine this in the text because 
you could, if not rooted in the foundation of the Scripture, you could get lost in that search. You could search the world up and down. Many men have tried and many men have failed to answer that question, what is the meaning of life? And so today I want to examine the text with you. We're going to be in Luke 15. So if you want to open your Bibles today or your apps, the pew Bibles in front of you, go ahead and open those. We're going to be in Luke chapter 15. And we're going to examine this text, specifically the parable of the prodigal son, to search for the answer to that question for the meaning of life. Now, we're only going to read only 11 through 24 today together in the text. There's a reason for that, but we're just going to examine that part of the text um, to really uh, break down the text, find its meaning and purpose. And so we're going to get into this. And so I just pray for the word, Father. I just pray for that you grant your people today as we read this word, revelation and insight that can only come through your spirit. Uh, Lord, so we thank you in Jesus' name. Again, we're in Luke. I'm reading from the uh, New American Standard, but whatever you have, it's just fine. It'll get us to the same place. I'm going to again, the prodigal son. Before we read, really quickly, context. This is the third of a series of parables that Jesus was giving to a group of Pharisees and his disciples, and they all will essentially bring us to the same place in terms of its meaning or what Jesus was trying to illustrate, and I'll connect all of them in a minute uh, when we get into the sermon here today, but this is the third in a series of three parables, lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. Starting in verse 11, I'll read. And again, I'm reading from the uh, New American Standard. And he said, A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went out on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in the country, and he he became impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods of the swine, that swine that were eating, And no one was giving him anything. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am here dying of hunger? I will get up and I will go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up. And came to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slave, quickly, come bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring a fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead 
and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. And we'll stop there. You know, as we reflect, reflect on life and we reflect on this topic of the meaning of life, I, I don't really know of any better story that illustrates the meaning of life than this parable that Jesus laid out for those of his listeners. Now, I, I would say that there is a means in which we can interpret this text moralistically, that, that we can look at this text as, a, as just a moral lesson about a young man who left his father's house and took all that he had of his possessions and went away, ran away from his father to a far-off land and was ruined in the process and then came home to be with his father. You may glean that and you wouldn't necessarily be wrong in that understanding and interpretation because I think there are many ways that we can dissect this text and a lot of which we can glean from the text. But I would offer you this today. And I would offer you that today this text not be looked at from a moralistic standpoint, but be looked at in a way where we can examine our meaning, where we can glean from this text our purpose and what it means. See, because here's this young man who asked his father for an inheritance so that he could go away, so that he could go off into this far-off country. But, you know, as I looked at this text, I, I, I could not help but wonder, why? Why would this young man, being in the house of his father, having all that he would need, all that he possibly could need, and knowing that his father one day will have an inheritance for him stored up and waiting, what would possess this young man to say, Dad, you know what? Give me everything that's mine and let me go. Why? I mean, the text doesn't say necessarily, but you might ask, well, maybe it was the excitement of adventure and maybe he was just seeking to go out there and just explore the world. But I would wonder, why wouldn't his dad make a bigger fuss? If it was just a son being impulsive, like many of our sons are, and daughters, we know, you would probably make a fuss, and many of you have probably made a similar fuss with your children when maybe they're just being a little impulsive. And you're like, hold on, son, just settle down. But I don't see that in the text, right? The, the text doesn't draw that out. And so I wonder why. But I said, look at this, and we read further in the text, I, I see that undoubtedly, undoubtedly this is a young man who was seeking to find himself. That he lived, he was the younger of the brothers, and he was living a life under the shadow of the older brother. And in Jewish culture, the firstborn received the bulk of the inheritance. So he's always living under his brother's shadow, never quite being able to fully come into his own. And so here the younger brother says, no, I, I got to go find myself. I, I, I need to find a way to go out and be who I need to be. And it's interesting that that journey always happens alone. When you're doing it on your own, it always happens alone. That in order for you to go find yourself, you feel like I got to go out on my own. 
I have to separate myself from the shadow of my brother, from the household and the commitments of my father's house. I have to go out and find myself. Because you can never really feel in this house, and some of us can relate to this, you can never really feel truly independent in your dad's house. There's always a sense of dependence in your father's house. Like, dad's got it. This is his thing. It's not really mine. So I don't really belong to myself. And I want that. I want to belong to myself. I want, it's always I, I, I. So here's this young man who yearned for freedom. He yearned for independence. And none of us... (laughs) Anyone have any teenagers with, that, are, that just got their license? Anybody? Yeah, my man. All right, John. John got one. All right. And Alex got his license not too long ago, right? And so you understand this, right? Because your kids, like, they're so excited about the license, right? And they're like, I finally get some freedom. Like, I can go. I can, I can work. I can do my own thing until you're in traffic for two hours. And then you don't want to drive so much anymore. Am I right? So, so there's this idea that before I have it, like I feel like I'm bound up and, 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 and I just need that freedom, just like with that license, right? You yearn for that freedom. But this freedom to this young man seems to him a freedom that means I got to get away from the ties and the obligations of all things whatsoever. I got to get under from underneath my older brother. I have to get out of my father's house in order for me to find myself. And so what does he do? There's two really, really interesting things that I want to bring out in this text that happen. The first thing that happens in this text as we see this is that the son goes out and what does he do? As soon as he gets his inheritance, what does he do? He goes away, but he doesn't just go next door. He doesn't just go one town over. He doesn't even stay in the country. He literally leaves his country to go explore. It's kind of extreme, right? Like, I'm I'm so connected to my father and his house that in order for me to be who I think I need to be, I have to go do what? I got to go to a whole other country where the culture is different, where the people are different. I'm totally running away from what I know. And he goes there and he squanders everything. And the text actually tells us, it says, with wild living. But if we read later on in the text, which we're not going to do today, the brother is upset because he says he squandered most of his money with prostitutes. The brother's pretty upset. So here's a young man who squandered everything with bad friends, with questionable women, with evil company and habits. But then he finds himself, after all of that, begging. He finds himself in a place where no Jew in their right mind at that time would find themselves tending to pigs. Listen, guys, the party is over, okay? Money's gone, party's over. You know how we know that? The Scripture says no one gave him anything. Everyone's gone. I got nothing. My money's gone, and the people who I thought were my friends are no longer there for me. And where am I? I'm begging. I'm the bum on the street corner with nothing, barely any clothes, no shoes. How do we know he doesn't have any shoes? Because the dad said, come bring him some sandals. 
He had nothing. He was in such destitute that he was in the one place that in his father's house and in his home country, he would never find himself doing something he thought he would never do, tending tending to to the pigs. And he was hungry. He was so low that he says, you know what, I'm, man, I don't know if any of you have ever been this hungry where your tummy touch, touches your back. Okay? But that's how hungry this guy was. And he says, I'm so hungry, I'm thinking about eating that slop. I'm so hungry. I don't know what to do. This guy is literally, he's at the bottom. He's hit rock bottom. So see, here's what happened. See, he had this yearning for freedom, this yearning for independence. And what happened is in his search for freedom and independence, he actually found himself more enslaved and bound than he ever thought he was previously. Because, see, he's no longer bound by his father's rules and his father's household. But no, in this text, he becomes bound by his own passions, enslaved to his own desires, just shackled by his passions. And it's ended him up with pigs. So he's shackled in a much different way, but he's shackled nonetheless. But this set of shackles, this set of chains that he's now bound to is far worse than the first. Because these chains are absolutely unbearable because these chains that he's now in, his self-inflicted chains and bondage come with starvation, comes with hunger, comes with loneliness, comes with emptiness. And he's so empty, he's so lonely in his quest for his own freedom and independence that he'll accept the company of anyone and anything that comes his way. And he hits rock bottom. And so what happens? See, he intended to find himself, and he lost himself completely. He intended to be free and found himself bound by chains. And see, this is what happens. We go out into the world, and we seek our freedom independent of our Father's house. Whether you take that term uh, uh, figuratively or literally, spiritually or literally, but we leave our Father's house to go find the freedom of who we are and our independence and our, and our self and our identity, our individualism. We go out in the world and find that, but what happens is, and some of you may have experienced this, is when you do that unchecked, when you do that with total free reign, I'll grant you, you might find yourself. Your talents and abilities may grow, but you know what grows right alongside of that? is the dark side. The dark side of your personality also grows alongside of that. When you try to grow yourself independently of guidance and leadership, you end up growing the dark side of yourself as well. So all those passions and ambitions, all of that sensuality, sexuality and greed and all of that, the pride that comes with life, it begins to grow alongside of all of that personality and independence that you're trying to grow because it's unchecked. It's unbridled. There's nothing to contain it. But this young man now reflects. See, he's developed himself. And as a result, he ended up in utter misery of servitude. Because he attempted to do it himself. No guidance, no nothing. Give me my money, Dad, I'm out in the world, all by himself, trying to lone ranger this thing 
on his own. Maybe some of you have done it, and how well did that work out for you? Maybe it worked out well. Maybe it didn't. I don't know. But now we come to this second and I think really remarkable part of this story. And that is this aspect of this story where in his misery and his servitude, in his yearning for freedom, then he now realizes his bondage. He realized, what did I do? What have I done? And I want you to think about this, that this man is probably like feeding slop to these pigs. And I'm going to tell you, has anybody raised pigs or been around or involved with pigs? Anyone? Okay. I have a pig, Courage. He's my pet. He's great. Courage generally doesn't smell too bad. But if you ever have been around um, a, a, a boar, a male pig, and, you know, his females, they don't smell very pleasant. I mean, okay, it's horrid, okay? They outright stink. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. And I I paint that kind of vivid, kind of gross picture for a second because I need you to understand that here's where this guy is in the, the mud, in the muck. And pigs love the muck. They love the mud, wallowing in it, rut, get digging ruts. I know that from experience. So here's this young man who's in this, and he's like, what did I do? You know, what I thought was bondage and, and what I thought was just me being confined and not really being able to be my, I, I had it all. And the freedom that I was seeking is really slavery. It's bondage, but the freedom that I had or what I thought, man, it's a perspective now that's changed, that the the, the freedom that I, I had, which I thought was slavery, is true freedom. And this gentleman, this young man comes to this, this epiphany that freedom is not freedom from obligation. That freedom is not freedom from commitments and ties. That's not freedom. Because let me tell you something, guys. You are going to be bound by something no matter what. Hear me. I'm going to say it again. Maybe you didn't hear me in the back. You are going to be bound in your life, every single one of you, by something. The question is, what will you be bound by? Because see, in this story, this gentleman thought that the freedom of the world was great and it was freedom. And what happened was he was bound by chains that were tighter, more constricting, and did nothing but lead him to death. But see, what he was bound to in the house of his father was much different. Because see, the bonds that he had in his father's house were were loving. They were bounds and and, and ties that held him closely, but held him gently. But he was bound nonetheless. But he was bound not by his own love or not by his own ambitions and greed and sensuality and sexuality. No, he was bound by the love of the Father. And in that moment, he realized that's true freedom. That's where I found my independence. That's truly where I found my freedom. Now listen, so this guy's in this mud with the pig, pigs, and he makes a decision. Now, this decision that he makes isn't just some moral decision where he makes begrudgingly, where he was like, uh, okay, I got to go back to dad's house. I'm broke, feeding these pigs. Let me go back to dad's house. 
he doesn't do that. This, this, is, this is the change. Because when he made the decision to return back, to, to resolve to go back to the house of the Father, he did so this way. Wait a minute. I had it so much better at Dad's house. I'm going back home, and this man does an about-face and joyously runs back home. There was joy and anticipation and hope in the return to the father's house. It wasn't begrudging. This young man says, I always had myself in my father's house, and I lost myself in trying to find myself, but I always had it. And sometimes we got to go on that journey, don't we? Because sometimes you don't really know what you have until you don't have it anymore. Sometimes you have to go out there because there's no frame of reference, right? There's no context for you that early in life. And so you're like, I don't really know. That's why kids do impulsive things. They have no frame of reference. So kids go out and they do this crazy stuff and they're realizing, I got to go back home. I got to go back to my dad's house where I was loved and cared for. And although there were guidelines, there were, there, there, were, there were things that I had to operate within. But there's safety here. I'm not hungry here. I'm not lonely here. I don't, I don't hurt. and I, That doesn't happen here. And although I have to operate in those uh, guidelines, I'm free. I'm truly free. And so he ran home filled with joy and the trembling of his joy and splendor of the hope that was coming, that he was coming to in anticipation of returning to his father's house. And so I think you can begin to see why I think that this text is a fundamental contribution to our question of the meaning of life. Why so? And maybe you didn't catch it along the way. Because see, you only find yourself in the fulfillment of your life. In other words, you only find yourself when you realize, you only find true freedom in your life when you realize what it is and why it is that you were created. That's when you find true freedom. That's when you find true deliverance. Most people's existential identity crisis that they have is because they don't know who they are. They don't know their purpose. They don't know what they're intended for. And that's the core of their existential crisis. But in God, there is none of that. In Christ, we don't have this existential crisis. We don't have this issue about finding the meaningless of life. This is exactly what happened to the prodigal son. He was under the shadow of his brother in the household of his father. He did not know who he was, but his identity was there the whole time, and he ran from it. And it wasn't until he had to live that wild life and be broke and hungry and with minimal clothing that he realized, I know where I belong. We try to go out there, guys, and find ourselves in the world. Many of you might still be trying to find yourself in the world. How's that going for you? How's that going for you? Because I'll be honest with you, early in my 20s, 
I ran around the world, literally. I ran around the world looking for myself. I joined the military looking for myself and never found it, never. Didn't find not one bit of my identity. And it wasn't until a near tragedy of you know, me dying over in Iraq and coming home and finally founding Jesus in my life that I found who I was, who I truly was and who I was truly intended to be. You see, because this young man also, he came to himself not when he was seeking himself, but he came to himself when he was seeking the Father. This young man came to his senses and finding himself when he came to the Father. But listen, we're, we're not these cast forms, these robots that are built with these innate abilities and emotions that we just pop out and we're ready to tackle life, like we're, we're ready to, you know, engage and be ourselves. No, our self and our identity and the meaning of our lives only comes through a direct and intimate relationship with the Father. It can't happen apart from that. I, I see that happening even in my own grandchildren. You know, Benny is, he doesn't know who he is. Benny won't know who he is for some time, but he will over time through his relationship with his father. He will begin to know and find the safety and the security. My, my three-year-old grandson, Eden, he doesn't worry about eating or shelter or love or any of that because of his relationship with his father. He knows without being told that daddy's got me. That, that I, my intimate relationship with the father, I'm okay. And so as children of God, beloved as I begin to close, and I'm going to invite the worship team up here. My sermon wasn't going to be long today, um, but I hope that it was impactful for, to, for you. Because I do want to spend some time today, as, as we kind of close this message, I do want to spend some time today giving you an opportunity to respond today, which we're going to get to that in a second. But see, we are children. Every one of us are children of God, and it is only as we grow in our relationship to the Father, into our sonship, into our daughtership with the Father, that we really begin to realize who we are. It cannot happen when you're in isolation. It cannot happen apart from God and your relationship, your sonship, your daughtership to him. It does not happen that way. My grandchildren cannot grow as individuals and in who they are apart from their relationship, their intimate relationship with their father. And so it is with us. See, we receive freedom from ourselves when we become free and open to the Father. And what does that mean, to be free and open, to say, you know what, God, I, I, I don't know anything. I'm lost. Like, I'm telling you, if I turn that corner and I can't see you, I don't know where to go from there. Like, like that's how lost we are. Now, I say that, you know, tongue-in-cheek, but literally when we are out of the sight, and we can never be out of the sight of God, so don't get me wrong, but when, when our relationship is disconnected or out of the sight of the Father, guys, we're lost. 
anyone been in a season like that where you're just disconnected from God and you don't know where to go left or right? There's no freedom in that and there's no identity and you're like, who am I? And see, freedom, this knowing who we are, this relationship with our Father only comes and is given to us through one person and his name is Jesus. See, today, you could find the meaning of life. You can begin the journey today of finding who you are, finding what you're made for, what you're created for, because every single one of you is created for a kingdom purpose. Every single one of you. The the question is, will you respond to the call of the Father? because he's calling you and because we're too busy trying to find ourselves we never truly find ourselves and we never truly find him but if you're open today if you're free from yourself if you're if you're ready and willing to surrender yourself today If you've been on a journey for a while and you're still asking the question why, you're still asking the question what's the meaning, what's the purpose, you can find it today. You can find it if you just stop looking for yourself. Jesus said it himself, he says, you know, those who try to save their lives will lose it, and those who are willing to lose their lives will gain it. Are you willing today to lose your life? Are you willing to surrender it all, to lay it down, to do an exciting about face and return into Bidav, into the house of the Father? Are you ready? Because you can answer that call today. Nothing will hold you back. And as we get into this time of worship, I will invite you guys to be sensitive to those around you. Be ready to pray for someone today. If you want to come up after, we're, after I pray here in just a moment, the elders will be here. If you want to come up and lay yourself down, not before man, but before God. If you're willing to stop searching for yourself and lose your life so that you can pick up his at the cross, you can do it today. Because the scripture says, if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. And I think that's so true. See, we exist in dependence of God. Not independent, but independence of the Father. And it's only those who have found the Father find themselves in the true meaning of life. I want to read to you a quick passage. These aren't my words, but I thought they were, thought they were impactful. You know, there's this idea that as we receive Christ, that we lose our sense of individualism. As we accept Christ, we can't be an individual, right? Because there's too many constrictions with, you know, restrictions with being a Christian, right? I can't be a Christian because I, I lose myself. That's a lie of the devil. It's an outright lie. 
Because see, we must trust that God in his unique providence for each of our lives, that he has made provisions for us, provisions for our lives, for us to fulfill so that we could be and exercise our individuality and be who God has created us. God didn't want a church of robots. The Bible says that he gave us all gifts and talents and abilities, each unique to one and all, for the edification of the church. Let me read this passage for you, and then I'm going to pray. It says that we find life, this life in Christ, this life of freedom, only in him. But if we miss it, we shall fail to be what we are intended to be. We may even achieve greatness in the world. We may lack nothing in the way of outward goodness. People may bow to us with deep respect. But we shall have missed the meaning of life. When the father embraced this homecoming of the prodigal son, The son was not only home again, but he found himself. It was doubtless a deep presence, a deep reunion that was truly felt when the poet wrote these beautiful words. Blessed are those who are homesick, for they shall come home and find themselves. Let us pray. Father, I thank you this day that when we are in your house, after living a life for many of us adults of running away from you, we find ourselves now running towards you with joy and with great anticipation. Father, I thank you that in your house nothing can separate us from your love. That nothing can take hold of us. Fear does not grip us. And the dark side of ourselves no longer rules, Father. But we are home safe in your arms with the one who is faithful to us, with the one who loves us, and with the one who has justified us in your son, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that today we can answer the call. Thank you that we can answer the call of love, the call of sonship, the call of our identity, our meaning and purpose in our lives. We bless you this day, Father. We ask that this message, Lord, today, touch someone's heart, that people not leave here today the same way they came in. God, I pray that someone today is about to do an about face and run joyously back into your arms. That maybe they're tired of running and tired of seeking. They're tired of being hungry and thirsty. They're tired of being broke and destitute. 
I pray that as they run back to you, Father, that they are clothed, that they are welcomed warmly, clothed with abundance and splendor and the glory of your Son. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. And we bless you. And we close this message today in the name of our, our Lord and Savior and your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Stand with us, please, as we close. Oh, to Jesus I surrender
surrender.